0: Hello everyone, it's Britt, the Petite Polymath, and man, I'm really killing it today. Um, This is my second podcast, Um, but the one about a book, as opposed to music, and it is called African Samurai by Thomas Lockley and Jeffrey Girard. Okay, so, um, a week and a half, wait, I can't do math. Um, a little over a week ago, I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Those of you who might happen to listen that are from there that I didn't tell I was there, I'm sorry, I didn't have much time. However, I did go to a samurai museum, and it was amazing. And on my way out of the door, there's a gift shop. Well, more like a gift nook. And the gift nook There was a book called African Samurai, which of course intrigued me. I'm pretty sure my brother and I had had a conversation in the past about the fact that if there were African Vikings, which there were, there were probably African Samurai. And there was! And I then sent this book to him because I knew he'd be excited about it. So at any rate, I bought the book. It arrived last Thursday. I stayed up very late to finish it because I just could not put the book down. So it is a true story. Of course, you know, there has been, what's the word, dramatic liberties with, you know, probably language, but these two men have done their due diligence of research of what was happening during this time period of this African samurai. So instead of just calling him that, let's give you his name. His name is Yasuke, and this was during the 1500s. So Yasuke, um, it's fascinating to me as another aside, Nothing is new. Everything is cyclical. Uh, and human trafficking has been around for a long time. I think we learn about, you know, well, if you have any exposure to the Old Testament, you know there were slaves. If you learn about world history, you know there were slaves during the Roman and the Greek times. You know, whenever someone beats someone else, they take them and they're slaves. But there's this unique difference, which I've argued with someone who probably listens to this podcast, of chattel slavery in the US that is different from any other sort of slavery that has ever existed. I still stand by this because I'm right. Uh, (laughs) um, However, this concept of conquered people being taken from their homeland and sold miles away to some other ethnic group is not new and clearly with human trafficking today we learn it's still happening so yasuke was kidnapped from the area that is present day either sudan or somalia as a child um his his village was destroyed and he was one of very few who survived uh, apparently what would happen and this was the beginning of the of the portuguese slave trade 1500s but of course you know during the um Times of the Holy Roman Empire and um, the Mongol Empire, and also um, the Ottomans, there was, you know, the world was shrinking. Um, Even without airplanes and technology, the world was shrinking. And people were being, you know, transported from one part of the world to another. And so what would happen is a village would be destroyed. They would, have a sneak attack. They would kill all the elderly. They would kill, I think, um, probably any men that they felt would be a threat. And then they would take the young who had the likelihood of growing up and surviving whatever passage. And so Yasuke was one of these youths who survived the passage from East Africa um, into India to be conscripted as a child soldier because the battles that were happening in India and um, Northern Africa and that whole region required more manpower than they could provide on their own. So here it is shocking to me that Sudan, you know, a place known for child soldiers, um, hello lost boys and, and refugees, this is not new. This has been happening for a very long time. And so he, you know, is like a 6'2", big, healthy man, considering everything that's happened to him. Uh, I think in some ways, because it was through a, a, um, what do they call it, Um, you know, it was on ships, so they had to survive the passage as well, which was horrible, and then whatever brutal uh, experiences to be trained to be soldiers. So if you made it through that, then you were worth your weight in gold, literally. Uh, So then he trained to be this amazing fighter, and ultimately ends up being the security uh, detail for a Jesuit priest named Valignano, who um, was sent by the Vatican to the Far East to spread Catholicism. And I'm saying Catholicism because, you know, how much true Christianity was being spread, I guess it depended on what priest you were dealing with. Um... So Yasuke, you know, something that also struck me is this idea that um, at this time in the world, everyone has a master, which puts a lot of things into context. Our concepts of what it means to be free, to be an individual, are very modern. And maybe that's because we, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know if our personal spheres have expanded enough for us to allow for this. Um, But across the world, even when he gets to Japan, everyone has a master. You have the feudal systems with a fief and a fiefdom, um, you know, soldiers, farmers, merchants who answer to whatever governance is above them. You might also be a slave, which is a slave, but not in the American idea view of a slave, it's more indentured servitude slavery, because people know you're human, and how bad your life is is dependent on who owns you, largely, because there's an investment in you returning that investment on them, and you could earn your freedom. If you did a good job, you could uh, work in other ways to raise a little bit of capital for yourself, um, so there was the ability for, you know, minimal upward advancement, and your children and your children's children weren't considered slaves. That's the difference, that chattel slavery in America that is dependent on ethnic inferiority is not the same as what was happening everywhere else. Like Even if someone knew you were another ethnicity, they didn't consider you subhuman. If you had a skill or you were beautiful or, you know, well equipped with something or, you know, innovative, like people noticed that, and they, and they wanted to take advantage of that and use that also for their benefit. So um, I just wanted to say that as an aside. Um, so at any rate, Yusuke goes with Vagnano to the Far East. So he leaves India, makes his way to Japan, um, a place that had not seen very many Africans, particularly Africans that are six two. So he was a giant and everyone was just floored by his arrival. And in fact, uh, if anything, they were not just intrigued, they were marveling because um, there, Buddhism being a very strong faith, um, there was an idea that there was a uh, uh, incarnation of Buddha whose skin was as black as ebony. So some thought that he was supernatural because of his skin, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, This idea of being black was not offensive. It was not Uh, inferior it was just other and people were fascinated by it so that just to me seems kind of neat Um, so at any rate Valignano ultimately (laughs) is trying to garner um, support for the Catholic Church because Japan largely Buddhist it's in the middle of a civil war so there's factions of um, what do they call samurai um, who are each um, and they're lording samurai. so there's like the samurai who could be, if there was one, a shogun. A shogun would be the unifying military leader of the whole of Japan. But that had broken down, and the emperor had no power, and so because of this, they were just warring senior samurai with their underling samurai underneath them, and then their, you know, soldiers underneath them, and that was kind of the hierarchy. So there are these factions that are fighting against each other. Some of them are Catholic now. They've, you know, converted to Christianity. Some of them are staunchly Buddhist. And so Valignano is trying to gather uh, support for the church so he can destroy Buddhist shrines and temples and build churches and monasteries and schools. We could talk about this all day and how good or bad this is. It clearly isn't all good because Valignano, who, um, you know, values the perpetuation of Catholicism, seems to forget that Christianity is supposed to be uh, a religion of peace and equality. And at the same time, he's you know, kind of turning a blind eye to the slave trade of the Japanese to other parts of the world. So in exchange for gunpowder, in exchange for bullets, in exchange for guns, um, and whatever, you know, fine European wines, um, they are trading in flesh. And some Japanese end up as far away as Mexico because of this trade, which blew my mind, you all. I had no idea that, you know, I don't know, before like the 19th century, Japanese folk were traded as slaves from Japan to China to India to Korea to Africa to Europe to the New World talk about how small the world is. And if you only take, you know, one Japanese person or one African person because someone happens to buy them and takes them far away, and then they ultimately have children and you dilute the gene pool, well, these people disappear. Their ethnic, you know, lineages just fade into whatever majority culture they're in. And, you com- and then you might get some random you know, ethnic evidence generations down the line. Maybe somebody has hair that's, like, super straight and coarse and black or has eyes that are more Asian or has a wider nose or has curly hair. But, like, this blows my mind. I just find this so amazing. Um, so the church is trying to spread their roots throughout Japan, and there is a... For lack of a better term, noble, named Nobunaga, who is intrigued by Yasuke and also very impressed by him. Valgnano sees this and he needs Nobunaga on his side, and so he offers Yasuke as a gift to him and decides to leave. <laughs> uh, we could expect maybe that this turns out to be bad, but it does not. Nobunaga is a man who loves Novelty—he loves new things. He loves gathering information and wisdom from anyone where he can find it, and he finds Yasuke to be a source of knowledge for him. They ultimately have a mutual respect for each other, and Nabunaga makes Yasuke a samurai, a full samurai, which means gives him a home with servants. Um, is probably getting ready to ponder giving him some land for his own fiefdom and a wife when, of course, things can't turn out the way that we would like and everyone lives happily ever after. This is a time of, of turmoil and uh, betrayal and intrigue. I don't want to ruin it for you, even though you could look it up, so I'm going to tell you read the book, because it's awesome. Um, there are a couple of things that I found interesting. Um, two other tidbits that the book tells you about, which I appreciated. The Japanese history is so rich. And I realize once again that I need to read more than I already do, I mean, maybe more focused reading about what was happening in the world at the exact same time things were happening in the new world and in Europe, right? We don't know. It's like a shadow is cast over what's happening you know, on on African continent or what's happening in India or what's happening in Japan or China or Korea. We don't pay attention because we feel like it's not our problem or it doesn't, you know, apply to us. But it's so informative and it's so important because it gives us the context of why we are the way we are now. Why people don't like each other, why people have the views they have. Um, You know, if you've read Silence, um, which was about the persecution of the Catholic Church in Japan, um, which I think was made into a film, you understand why silence happens, because of the abuses of the church. Not that everyone there was doing these things, but the abuses that ran rampant in the name of Christ, already in a hostile environment. They pushed out every Christian they could. And, and what's interesting is that there were, there were Japanese who had converted by this point, lots of them, who were martyrs for their faith, because of the bad taste that the church left in the mouth of these men. Now, you know, maybe if the church had been a better witness you well, still would have had some opposition, but it would have been different. But, like, it does not go without its, it's not spotless by any stretch of the imagination. Um, in addition, I was fascinated by the sexual mores of of Japan. So, apparently, women were, were on equal footing with men um, until, I think, more influence from China came in. And so, apparently, there were women samurai, there were empresses, and um, there was nothing wrong with, like, couples that were married looking for lovers outside of their marriages, so sex was just very kind of cavalier um, for men or for women, so no double standard here. Um, In addition, pederasty, which, you know, we know about um, in the Greek and Roman times, Afghanistan, of course, um, but I didn't know about this in 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 the samurai training. I guess it makes sense in doing my reading about this that in any sort of warrior clans and uh, warrior tribes, it was very common um, for older men to mentor younger boys. Um, not younger men, I'm using boys deliberately because they're boys. Um, in the ways of, wo- of fighting and battle, but also sexually as well. Um, and I guess they thought this would solidify loyalties um, on and off the battlefields, which is interesting. And then when the, the boys came of age, these relationships were usually severed, then they would go on and have wives and have children, but they would perpetuate this phenomenon with younger boys. It was just a part of the culture. And in fact the parents were aware of this and, and I guess it was just common knowledge. I mean I, I'm guessing that you know, I know our concepts of what a child versus an adult is like they're, they're very different now. There was no adolescence that you went from child to adult, um, so I don't know what the age range was for this. I'm guessing maybe prepubescent, 12, 12 to 14 to 15, maybe something like that. Probably not any younger, but you know who knows. And so like, Nobunaga was known for having multiple courtesans, in quotes, that were men and women, along with his wives and his concubines. So he had lovers that fought for him, who had their families, really messy. I, I just, you know, once again, nothing is new. Um, so yes, I, there is speculation as to whether Yasuke would have been involved in this, but they think that it probably wasn't the case because he would have been much older by this point He's probably in his mid to late 20s I think when he might have made his way there. Um, so, the speculation is that that wasn't the case uh, for him, um, but who knows. Uh, In addition, what his opinions would have been about it, because the tribe he came from did not, I don't think was involved in this, but there were tribes neighboring to where he came from, where this was a part of the culture. So, very interesting mores. Um, So at some point, he gets lost to history. We don't know what happened to him. There's speculation that he maybe settled down and had a family because in the 1800s, a samurai appears who looks like he's of African descent, and he's a samurai with a name that has the um, prefix ya in it somewhere, um, which makes people think that maybe he's of the lineage of Yasuke because, I mean, how many African samurai can there be? So who knows? At any rate, I just found this to be such a fascinating read It made the world smaller to me, it reminded me that humans are definitely unchanged. I have this feeling that the only reason why we appear to be as sophisticated as we are is just because we have the toys we've got, not that we've gotten any more evolved. Um, I'm really glad to be alive now because the world is a scary place, folks. It really is. But also beautiful. So there we are. So I hope you all enjoyed my musings on the African Samurai, and I hope you have a great holiday season. I will most likely return in the not so distant future because I have another book that I bought recently that I want to finish as well, so get excited. Maybe this will be me being on better behavior and being more regular with my podcasting in the future. Bye.